it's a little pet peeve of mine, right? Go on the web and somebody writes up about me and they put web gorilla, as in the monkey. Not gorilla, like, you know, warfare, terrorist. We're gonna do the monkey. Hi, this is Greg Bozer. Do the monkey. A.K.A. Monkey Boy. Monkey, monkey. Sometimes I get a little pissy. That's alright. But I gotta tell you, dude, he made you look like a good chimp. He did. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're confusing me. Monkeypicks.co.uk. Funny bastard, isn't he? Damn. I swear to God, if you play that promo one more time, <laughs> I'm publishing the photo. How much is that gorilla in the window? Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR. The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, January 10th, and you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. I've had the opportunity in my career to meet and spend time with amazing thinkers, people on the forefront of advertising, marketing, and PR, as well as those that cover the industry. So what I hope to do with The Hook is to give you access to these thought leaders, which hopefully will inspire you in what you do. So, please join me Tuesdays at 2 o'clock at the intersection of advertising and PR for The Hook. Today, I will be talking with Jeff Benjamin, Interactive Creative Director, and my colleague at Crispin Porter and Bogusky. Jeff was the Interactive Creative Director for Burger King's Subservient Chicken, which has been touted as one of the most effective viral marketing campaigns ever. His work for Method won the Interactive Grand Prix at Cannes, the most prestigious advertising festival in the world. Jeff joined Crispin Porter and Bogusky at the end of 2003, and at CPMB, Jeff is working on brands that include Burger King, Volkswagen, Coca-Cola, and Virgin Atlantic Airways. In addition, his project work for Victoria's Secret Pink Line and Gap drew thousands of hits and tons of recognition. Prior to CPB, Jeff was with Goodby, Silverstein, and Partners, where he worked on Hewlett-Packard, Saturn, and Goodyear. And before Goodby, Jeff began his career at Modem Media, specializing in GIS banner optimization, which actually, note to self, I have no idea what that is. Jeff has been recognized, we'll have to ask Jeff that question. He's been recognized nationally and internationally, winning every major interactive award there is. In his first year at CPB, Jeff won Best of Show at The One Show, The Grand Clio, and The Grand Prix at Cannes. His work has been showcased in publications including The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Time Magazine, Newsweek, Communication Arts, Graffiti, and The Art Directors Club. Jeff is also a champion debater and competes nationally in yogic flying high jump competitions. Now, I never know which part of these bios is real or not. So, when we come back from our first commercial break, 
We will talk with Jess Benjamin about the amazing campaigns he has created, his thoughts on the future of the web, and find out exactly what yogic flying high jumping is all about. Be right back after this. PR Web is the pioneer in online press release visibility. Think beyond search. Online visibility is what really matters. PR Web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets. Get the credibility and attention you deserve. Think online visibility from PR Web. PR Web, the only major newswire service that drives quality measurement traffic to your site. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media. With the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. It's a little pet peeve of mine, right? Go on the web and somebody writes up about me and they put web gorilla, as in the monkey. Not gorilla, like, you know, warfare, terrorist. We're gonna do the monkey. Hi, this is Greg Bozer. Do the monkey. A.K.A. Monkey Boy. Monkey, monkey. Sometimes I get a little pissy. That's alright. I gotta tell you, dude, he made you look like a good chimp. He did. Do the monkey. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're confusing me. Monkeypicks.co.uk. Funny bastard, isn't he? Damn. I swear to God, if you play that promo one more time, <laughs> I'm publishing the photo. How much is that gorilla in the window? Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hi. Welcome back to the hook. Today we're talking with Jeff Benjamin, Interactive Creative Director at Crispin Porter and Pagusky. And Jeff has spearheaded a number of recognizable interactive campaigns, amazing campaigns for clients, including Burger King, Virgin Atlantic Airways, Method, Gap, and uh, Victoria's Secret's Pink Line which was a really terrific one. And a really cool thing is he's sitting right here with me in my office, which has never happened before. Not that he's never been in my office, but we've never been on the radio together. I've never got to sit with a guest when I'm talking. And we're sit- I'm sitting here with Jeff and the most unbelievably beautiful roses that my amazing husband Frankie sent me yesterday. And it seems like it's shaping up to be a really great hour. So without further ado... Hello, Jeff. Welcome. Hey there. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, Jeff, I usually start out, well, you know, I usually start out by saying, tell me a little bit about yourself, but I have to just ask you, yogic flying high jumping. Is that a joke? It is a little bit of a joke. Um, when, I was, when I was interviewing here, um, I, was, I was going back and forth with Alex's assistant, Veronica, and I, and I started to develop a little bit of a crush on her. 
and uh, and I was looking for funny material to you know put in my emails to her, and uh, something I stumbled across was yogic flying, which is actually a real competition that they do, and it's held every year. And uh, these yogic masters will they'll go into the lotus position, and they'll they'll basically um, jump as high as they can off their butt onto <laughs> onto mattresses that are stacked, and, and it's done by how many mattresses you can jump onto. Um, and and it, it's done in like you know large arenas and people cheer and stuff. Uh, I didn't know it was happening, but uh, it, it was pretty funny and it worked. And it worked. And how long have you guys been going out now? I I, I, I think it's a little over two years. I, I think she thinks it's less. You're an adorable couple, and if anybody would like to take a look at them, they just have to look in the pictures section of Ad Week at the holiday party pictures, where there's a very cute picture of the two of you. Anyway, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Crispin Porter and Bogusky. Well, you know, I, I started, I, when I went to college, I didn't think I, I was going to get into advertising. I didn't even know it was a, a real job. I, you know, I, I went to school. I was studying, I think, biology at first, and then, and then I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. So I was studying poli-sci and econ. And, uh, and then one summer, I got a job uh, at the auditorium on campus. Uh, and just just doing copywriting for their uh, their press releases, and one day their their designer was out, so they had me do the ad because I knew a lot about computers, and I did. And I was like, whoa, I did that. And after that, they gave me more and more of those types of projects because I liked it and I was pretty good at it. Um, and then after after that summer, um, I I I sort of saw myself doing that kind of work as opposed to pushing settlements and divorces, which is what you end up. You know, doing if you go, you know, go into law, mm-hmm. and yet that sort of where all the money is. Um, but uh, I, I guess that's somewhere I realized that's what I was really passionate about. Um, when it when I went back to school, I uh, I started hanging out more and more in the uh, the art art department, skipping my classes, skipping my you know econ classes, skipping my poli sci classes, um, and just hanging out there and learning about the computers, learning about design, talking to the students. I, you know, I learned about typography and design and the grid and all of that stuff just from hanging out with, like, friends and students. Um, and, uh, and I did that for a semester, and I decided, well, you know, I just I can't keep going back to these classes, and my parents were really upset. I think I had, like, a 0.0 GPA. <laughs> um, there may not have been a choice to drop out, but um, I just decided to leave and, uh, and get a job. I interned for three months. At a, uh, it was a very, very small interactive agency. And then um, after that three months, I, I found, uh, I, I interviewed at a, a larger one, Moda Media, which at the time, was, you know, and it still is a really good interactive place. And uh, I, I kind of charmed my way into the job. I had a little bit of a portfolio, but it was made up of things like table tents and, you know, small newspaper ads. Um, but I think I was able to show how passionate I was about advertising, about the interactive space. And they gave me a chance, and, and that's, you know, that I worked there for about uh, two and a half years, and that's where I really built my portfolio, learned from everyone. And, you know, I, I treated every, every project as an opportunity to, um, to better myself, um, to learn, but also this was going to be something I'd put in my portfolio, so I was very efficient about it. Um, worked there for two and a half years, and, uh, you know, it was in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Decided I, I needed to get out of the burbs. Um, so I, I, I quit, I just quit my job. I didn't really, I didn't really have another one lined up. Um, but, but I knew I wanted to be in a city like New York or San Francisco. Um, and then, you know, I, I didn't have anything lined up. I had been working so hard, 
Um, so I, I just ended up living off of the stock options that I had um, for about Dave. three months. And it, you would think that not working is, is pretty good, but after about three months, you realize that while you have nothing to do, your friends actually have work, so there's no one to hang out with. Right, um, and you had, you had been busy. You had gotten those stock options, stop options from specializing in GIF. Banner optimization. Right, gift banner optimization. Right? <laughs> GIF. I don't oh, know if it's oh. GIF or GIF, but uh, it's, it's, you know, basically what I would, when I started out in modem, I, I started out from the very, very bottom. You mm-hmm. know, I, I came there and I was, you know, people had designed banners and I was optimizing them for the right file size. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've basically gone from the very beginning and, and you know, worked my way up. Um, but I think that that helps me now in that I, I understand the space a lot. More, you know, I was there once doing, you know, optimization, mm-hmm. doing the grunt work. And what people, people that can't see you don't know about you, because I'm looking at you right now, is you have one of the nicest, warmest smiles of anybody I know. So I can <laughs> see how you worked your way up uh, as if it wasn't even anything. Yeah. So you left, you left all this banner optimization with mm-hmm. your stock options, and you went to San Francisco? Went to San Francisco. I actually went back to Modem because uh, I was like, you know, I love you guys. Um, it's just the city that's the problem. Went to the San Francisco office, um, and and I worked there for about three months, and realized that their San Francisco office it was it was this was a strange time for the interactive space. It was right at the beginning of the you know the dot com bust, mm-hmm. and I, I think one of the reasons for that bust was there there was a lot of uh, a lot of agencies were growing at a rate that they couldn't really sustain, and in this case um, they had decided to to buy up another agency, and you have this clashing of two cultures. Um, and it and it just led to everyone being unhappy. A lot of people were leaving, and it, it just it, it wasn't the right fit anymore. So I, I decided to leave and and, and come to Goodby, um, which was also great because you know I, I loved I loved the humor and I loved the fun and all of the, the the television that I had seen, all of the print work. There was so much emotion there, and that's something that I really wasn't experiencing at at Modem. There was a lot of innovation happening, but. I was also after those emotional connections um, that you get um, with with some of the advertising agencies out there and the work that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went there, um, uh, worked there for about three and a half years. Worked on a lot of uh, Hewlett Packard work, um, and and they were they were a great client in that um, they they took incredible risks um, for innovation. And I, I think that that's something that separates. Uh, great clients and great work um, from other work, that you have a client that's willing to take risks and, uh, and spearhead that sort of innovation. Um, worked there for three and a half years, and then, uh, I, you know, at that point, I think it was another tough time for the Internet because it, it's so weird. I think there was a lot of innovation on the web in, like, 96, 97, 98, and then... It, it kind of went away a little bit. We had become very, very used to what we were doing. We had gotten set in our ways, and, and the web became sort of the space for just sort of design and animation. And and I think we, we forgot a little bit about concepts. And I looked at, like, what are the, what are the places that are doing really interactive work out there? Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I, saw, I saw all this work from Crispin, and it was this mini, you know, the mini work and the truth work. And, and it wasn't on the Internet. But it was very interactive, and I think there was there was this moment in time where, you know, maybe the most interactive agency out there, Crispin, wasn't doing anything really on the web. Um, they, they were doing a little bit of stuff on the web, but the most interactive stuff wasn't wasn't 
on the internet, you know? That's interesting. So you were looking, you were looking at, at CPB from the sense of them doing interactive work, although it wasn't actually technically interactive work. Exactly. I, I look, I, you know, and then I ended up coming here and visiting the place, and it was like we, we all thought the same way. Yeah. Um, we were just working in different spaces, different mediums. And, uh, you know, I, I loved everyone I met. I, I especially liked Alex because he, he had this vision for, for interaction. Um, and, and it being in every medium, it didn't really matter what medium you were working in. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was an opportunity to have conversations and make people participants in the advertising that you do and, and make it entertaining and make it emotional and make it funny. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, that vision is really what, um, what brought me here. And then you met Veronica, of course. <laughs> and, then I, and then I met Veronica. And then you met me, and, and you saw that uh, you'd have a chance to be in uh, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it just worked out. So really it was me and Veronica and Alex that convinced you to come here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been incredibly fun. You know, the other thing, too, is that all, all throughout my career, I, you know, I, I will work crazy hours, and, and you know, 2, 4 o'clock in the morning, and and I think in most of the places I've been to, people around me have thought it's pretty strange and that I'm, you know, doing, I'm pretty weird. But, you know, I knew it was right when I came here and, and everyone thought it was normal. Um, and I, and I think, Is that a good or a bad thing? I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, people are just so passionate about, uh, they're, they're so passionate about advertising and, and, and the work that we do here. Um, because I, I don't know if necessarily it's advertising as much as it's just communicating a brand. Um, everyone is so passionate about it that you know that they are going to work hard and and you know when they do these ads when they do this communication it's a little piece of them that they're that they're working on as well. Well, tell me a little, tell us a little bit about what you do at CPB. What does interactive creative director mean? So I'm the, you know I'm the interactive creative director here, and there's no interactive department. <laughs> um, it's, it's I you know I think of it as a little bit of a it's like an interactive group. Um, and, and, uh, you know, there, we have a few interactive art directors, a few interactive designers, and really what there are, are, for the time being, sort of experts in the interactive space. And, and I think agencies need that in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, what it means is that I, I will collaborate with other creatives, um, in, in, in brainstorming with them. They'll come up with ideas, I'll come up with ideas, we'll come together. And, and really it's, I'm here to help them understand the space better um, and, and help them bring their ideas and my ideas um, in, into this medium that, that's always evolving, always changing. Um, and, and you kind of need, at least for the time being, sort of an expert to keep up with it um, and, and know how to produce that kind of work and, and how, to, how to bring uh, a concept or an idea life in that space. Because... You know, we, everyone understands radio really well, and everyone understands TV really well, but the interactive space is, is something that not only is new, but it's, it's always changing, it's always evolving. And, it, and right now it's in its infancy. I think 10 years from now we'll look at it, and it won't even be what, you know, what, what we see now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's why I'm here. And uh, I, I think it's worked out really well because of how open everyone is to the interactive space. You know, like I said before, I mean, interactive is a part of uh, it's a part of the culture. Yeah. Um, and and I think to be successful, you have to have not just interactive people who are good, but you also have to have great creative people who can come up with ideas and concepts um, 
who are also embracing the interactive space and wanting to work hard in it. So how so how do you, how do you keep current then on on something that's so fluid and always changing? You know, I I think a lot of it is just seeing what you know what what others other people are doing on the web um, from a technical standpoint, seeing where the technology is going. You know, there, there is always a new piece of technology, and I think there are also always new ways of using the same technology um, that that maybe we didn't we hadn't discovered or. Um, a lot of times hadn't taken off until now. Um, I, I think two years from now, we'll probably be doing something. There's probably going to be something that's really, really hot that, that's around now that it just hasn't become mainstream. And I think the important thing when you do interactive work is, is to, to make sure that your ideas are, are sort of evolutionary as, as opposed to you know, so revolutionary that nobody, it's just not the right time for them. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think it's about... Um, keeping track of the technology, and then also keeping track of how prevalent that technology is, how much use is it getting, um, and, and making sure your timing is right. Is there anything that you see now in technology that's really not being used but you think is going to be the next big thing or, or something that's going to be used a lot more often? You know, I, th- I think that you know, Apple has, you know, and we see it a lot of it because, you know, they do a good job of advertising, um, and we're the advertising community, so we see a lot of Apple. But you know, they're doing a lot of great stuff with you know video and content distribution. Yeah. Um, TiVo. You know, these are all technologies that they've been around. We know them, but you know, my mom and dad aren't. They don't have one yet. And a lot of the world doesn't. You know, a lot of the country doesn't have one yet. Um, but I think as we move into the future, that ability to um, distribute, share um, content. Um, both in stuff that you get from TV, you know, get from actual networks and things like that, stuff that you make up, um, your home videos, music, all that kind of stuff. I think all of that stuff um, is going to become more and more prevalent. And I think it's also, you see this with Apple, um, it's going to come out of the television and into other appliances. You know, now you see video like in the iPod. I'm, right. I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll end up in other things. It would be really great if my, t- my refrigerator had a TV in it and, I'm sure it'll have it there one day, and it'll be hooked up to the internet, and that's where we'll get all its content from. I don't know. You think? I mean, I understand that that the video iPod being able to watch. You know, if you're sitting on the train for an hour commuting, being able to watch mm-hmm. your favorite television show is a great thing. But I mean, it doesn't have the same exact effect. It, seeing it, you know, in the palm of your hand as it does on the TV. Do you think that people will be watching television content on their computers as opposed to their TVs more and more? You know, I, I don't think that they're necessarily going to see it on their computer, but I do think that they'll see it on other appliances. I, you know, I, I, I think you may see a lot of people seeing it on the iPod. You and I might not do it, but our kids will mm-hmm. um, because they're growing up in a, in a, in a culture and a space where um, – that that that's just part of it, you know. Yeah. Um, you well, it's want- amazing. My six-year-old daughter, my son already has an iPod. In fact, he has. Last year for Christmas, everybody here at CPB got a CPB iPod, and I had one, so so he inherited my CPB iPod. And um, my daughter, he's eight. My daughter, who's six, this year for the holidays wanted a Nano. Yeah. Which she got. And she yeah. read, you know, and my son said to me the other day, you know, do you play the games that are on the iPod? And I was yeah. like, games? What do you mean? Where are the games? Yeah, exactly. So it's, he's eight. It's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. amazing how quickly uh, kids can pick up on these technologies. You're absolutely right. 
It's a, yeah, and and the other thing too is that you know even now like you know I think kids are watching less and less TV. You know now they're playing video games and they they yeah. are playing with their iPods and stuff like that. And and as they get older, you know when they become twenty four, thirty, you know you're, that's when you're going to start seeing sort of the the um the, our habits sort of change. That's when you're going to see um you know and the advertisers if if they want to be successful are going to have to. You know, figure out how do you advertise with video games? How do you advertise with the iPod? Um, and then the other thing, too, is even now, I think that you could argue that we, while we don't watch TV on the computers, we do hook up the computer to the TV. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that's kind of what TiVo is. Yeah. It's just a large hard drive um, that's, saving, that's saving content, and then we play it back at a later point. I think the next step in that. And, you know, it, it may already, I, I think there's this Macworld thing today, and uh, they're announcing new products. There's like a rumor that Apple will announce something that now you're not just saving content, but you're also pulling that content um, like they do with iPod Video, but now into mm-hmm. this computer that hooks up to your TV, and then, you know, that's where you'll watch it. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's that, phenomenal. it's not very far off. Yeah. If it didn't happen today, it'll happen soon. Yeah. Um, where that computer sort of becomes your hub. And that's also the internet, you know. It's not, it's not Netscape. You know, it's not, it's not Safari. Yeah. Um, but it is the internet. That ability to, you know, I'm in my house, pull something from somewhere completely different. Um, that's using the web, um, and and it's it's a it's an open channel for like interactive advertising. You're absolutely right. I want to ask you about webcast because you had said to me when I originally said I'm, you know, I'm going to do this this webmaster radio show. You said let's make it into a webcast. What do you think about webcasts? I mean, I, I don't really understand them that well. Where are they now, and where do you think that they're going? Yeah, well, you know, there are a lot of different things. I mean, there like I, I guess webcast is you know there there are like podcasts. Yeah. There are these like video podcasts. And it's because I have radio such good shows, hair, like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not having a really great hair day today, but I don't know. It's not terrible, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's very, it's very good. You just got you. bounce to it. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's so cool because anybody, you know, I, I when you think about listening to the radio, right? There are only like ten stations, like on FM, that you, at least for me, that come in clearly. Um, but now, when you look at webcasts, like podcasts, you know, video podcasts, internet radio, all these different types of things, it, it opens up to the idea that there are there are an infinite number of stations, and that I could have my own station. Um, and this notion that. I, I guess it's like it's it's the promise of democracy in a weird way that like I have a voice and that and the weird thing is that there are listeners out there and we were talking before this uh, bef- right yeah. before it about does anybody listen to the show? <laughs> <laughs> I, Which we're still not yeah, totally not, sure we're, of, but we're we not totally sure of. But I think there are people. And then the other cool thing is that it doesn't have to be live. You yeah. Know, this show may be super popular a year from now. <laughs> um, and uh, but you have a smirk on your face when you're saying, that. "No, I'm kidding." But you're making well, a point. I was going to make another make joke. Your point. I was going to make another joke, but you know, the this is sort of like um, people will go back and you know learn from these things, you know, and uh, and and I think that's also a really cool part about this. Uh, this 
sort of archiving of information and picking the best that I can sort of select the best content or the most content, the content that's the most relevant to me. Right. Um, exactly. And listen or watch that. You know, right now it's a lot of listening with podcasts, but, you know, I, I think it's going to become really big with watching as well. And, and you know, Apple is doing a great job of, of democratizing that as well, that like now, uh, you know, anybody can come up and make a movie, do special effects. Um, the same thing it did with print, um, you know, books and printing. Um, it's, it's doing with, with video and special effects and, and, uh, and then the distribution of all of that. That's a, that is really, really... So do you think that we should make a webcast from here? For this show, can yeah. we do it right from here? Here, a in my video office. One, I think it could be cool. Then you a can show off one. your hair. Then I can show off my hair and yeah. the flowers. Exactly, but they wouldn't be good. But maybe that would be like Frankie would have to send them to me every week. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, all right. Well, I want to talk to you about so many more things. I, I've promised before on this show, if anyone listens to it, that I was not going to make this a subservient chicken show. But because subservient chicken has been such a phenomenal success, I do want to ask you about that, and I want to talk to you about um, other viral campaigns that maybe you haven't done but you think are interesting. So after this break, let's um, let's start with the subservient chicken. We will be right back after these messages. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. .com. More than a name. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com. The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock solid on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com. The secret to your success. How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? All we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50%, the highest payouts on the net, and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby! TextLinkAds.com WebmasterRadio.fm Commercials off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Gempner. Hello, welcome back. Today we are talking with my friend Jeff Benjamin, who is the Interactive Creative Director at Crispin Porter and Bogusky. And we are about to talk about Subservient Chicken, one of the most recognizable 
and um, infamous, is that maybe too much? No, infamous uh, viral campaigns ever on the Internet that we did, spearheaded by Jeff for our client Burger King. And I did promise this wasn't going to be the subservient chicken show, but I mean, it was such a phenomenon that we should talk about it a little bit. And it launched on April 8th, which I can't forget because that is my birthday, in 2004. And I think instead of me trying to explain it, why don't I turn it over to Jeff and why don't you explain, you know, how, what really happened and then how it took off? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it started as a, as a television campaign and, uh, and uh, two, two creatives here. Uh, Bob Sanfroni, Mark Taylor, uh, you know, they, they came up with this, this idea of the subservient chicken, and it started off as a TV campaign. And, and something also that I think, um, you know, happens a lot is that, you know, some, an idea will start in one medium, and it, it'll find a better place in another. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, we saw that a little bit with Minnie as well, where, you know, there was, there was uh, something that happened here where we, we put Minis on top of SUVs. And that originally started as, as a TV campaign. It made better sense as doing it in real life. Much the same way, this started off as a TV campaign and it remained a TV campaign, but um, they also had this idea of doing a real webcam um, on, a, on a subservient chicken and just doing this as a live thing. And, uh, and we talked, and, and I, Alex was also a part of this, and we all were sort of collaborating. Um, and, and this notion of, well, what if, what if we did it fake? Um, and and videotape different actions of the chicken and then, and then let those little, vi- little video clips get triggered by keywords. That's where that sort of came about. Um, but, but this was originally grounded in this idea of, this, you know, of these TV spots, this idea that, like, what if we had a big giant chicken and asked them to do um, whatever we wanted? And, you, know, just, you know, people ask, like, geez, how did you think of this? Um, and... And it, it sounds so silly, but at the end of the day, it was Burger King. Their taglines have it your way. Right. It's chicken, so let's have it our way with chicken. Um, <laughs> but you, so, you say that, and yet it was a humongous yeah. chicken in lingerie. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. Inspired from the Victorian era. But, right. you know. Moulin Rouge-esque. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, you know, those guys, you know, they, they thought up that thing and, and, you know, Alex, Alex, I, them, and, and Andrew and Rob Riley, a lot of different people. We, we, it was sort of, that was a project that I think it would not have been so successful had everyone not come together and sort of risen to the occasion. And at one point, the entire agency was working on this thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the idea was sort of quickly thought up and we, we figured, okay, this is one way of doing it. We started thinking more and more about it, and it, it was sort of, you know, now we look at it, it was very successful, and it, we can see how easy it was to do, but there was, this, there was a time where I, I was getting hives because it, I didn't know if this could really be done, um, and there was a one-week period where we were still going to do it for real, and, you know, we were going to just, you know, have a, get a camera, put it on somebody dressed up as a subservient chicken, and people would um, put in a request to ask the chicken to do something, and when your request came up, you would get an email, and you'd go to the site, and you'd see it do it. Um, that, that was sort of our, 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 uh, our backup plan. But the more we thought about this, the more we researched it, we, we set up a fake website for the agency to go to where we, um, we put one of our creatives dressed up in a, a chicken outfit and we, with a little text field at the bottom, and we asked people, hey, you know, if this site was real, um, you know, what would, what, would you ask, what would you ask the chicken to do? 
we put that up for a week and we only got like 100 requests. Um, we, we had thousands and thousands you mean, of requests. But only 100 different in, commands. Different commands, like only 100. Like it's kind of a weird yeah. exercise in psychology where if you ask somebody to do anything, they're only going to give you certain responses. Um, and it, it's human behavior. I mean, that's the other weird thing about regardless of what technology, what medium you work in, it's all driven by human behavior. And we, have, we had a planning department here. Um, it, it's still sort of a planning department. Well, now we think of them more as anthropologists who yes. study behavior. Um, cognitive anthropologists. Cognitive anthropologists. Um, but that, that was kind of, it, when we saw that, we knew this was probably going to work because now, you know, we, we went out, we filmed our 100 commands. We threw out about 300 more um, during the shoot, and, uh, and, and we figured with, between all of these, we're going to pretty much get everything. The other thing we had going for us was it was a chicken. You know, there are only so many things that a chicken can do. <laughs> so we, we, we could get away with a lot of that. Like, chickens can't talk. They don't have hands. Um, so people are willing to, uh, to, to, to give, you know, cut the chicken a little bit of slack. Um, so to speak. Yeah. Um, we, we went and shot it um, over one day. And originally the, originally the site was going to have sound. I mean, we were gonna we were gonna hear the chicken too, but we were laughing so hard um, while the recording was going on. You know that the, the audio was unusable, so we stuck to the video. <laughs> I, I think it now that I look at it, it was probably better without video. Um, but but you know that 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 was something funny that happened. Um, and then so we put it up, and you know the whole agency went there and tested it, and we we took all of those you know the results from the testing, the things that it wasn't doing. We we tweaked that, and we kept tweaking this thing for about two weeks, and it was, it was the whole agency, like, being involved and, like, getting it to the point that we were all happy with it. And then we sent it out to, uh, you know, just a few, uh, just a handful of friends. It was, like, friends. 30 people, right? I think it maybe was, like, even 30. Less, maybe even less. And then literally overnight, there were millions of hits. Um, and it, you know, I think we all thought it was really cool, and we thought it would probably be successful, but that measure of success, it, it didn't, it didn't really hit us that something could be that successful, that an ad could cause that kind of phenomenon, um, that, that so many people would be interested in it. Um, and, it and it started so, it was so immediate, and it, it quickly passed on beyond the advertising community. community. I think something that tends to happen um, is that advertisers will do something, and it'll get a lot of, traffic, but it won't get enough traffic to go beyond the advertising community. Mm-hmm. It, it'll, it'll, right. Your traffic will come from people seeing it on you know, certain advertising sites or reading about it in, uh, in a magazine. And I think the challenge for brands is to go uh, beyond that community. Well, for, the, for Subservient Chicken, it immediately went beyond that community um, and entered, it found its way into pop culture, you know, and then, and then you know, television was looking at it, you know, it was on morning shows, it was on the news, and um, there was just all this free media for Burger King, you know. I think, you know, people, people still wonder, you know, geez, you know, there wasn't a giant logo there, or, you know, there wasn't this immediate recognition for Burger King. The reality is, is that there was probably a one-month period there where Burger King was mentioned more times than, you know, maybe it ever had been, um, because people talked about when when people when the brand was embraced, it was when they were talking about it. Yeah. Um. And sometimes that's 
in this case, more important than just seeing a logo. You want people to be talking positively about your brand and being entertained by it. And, and I think that's what happened. I think that's what happened with the serving chain. That's why, it's, that's why it was so successful. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what I think advertisers now are still trying to chase. Like, how do you, how do you replicate something like that? Um, to a degree, I think we also owe it to a little bit of timing. We were at a time with the Internet where there wasn't really anything like that out there. Um, most of the websites in advertising communication you saw were they were either banners or there were these large sites that were basically brochures. There wasn't a lot of like small entertainment. Um, and I think this is, this is something that sort of uh, sparked, sparked that. Well, I mean, going back to what you said before about, you know, different technologies and one of the things that you have to do is to keep things current, mm. do you think subservient chicken would have worked the same way today? I mean, as, yeah. as effective? I think, I think that it would have, I, I think it would have been successful, but it wouldn't have been as much of a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, that we were in a time where people were waiting for something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of see that uh, we, we owe it a little bit to luck, too, I think. Um, there are some things that come out that are really great, and you just wonder why it never took off. And, and it could be because it launched on a Wednesday and not on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, and, and we, you know, over here at Crispin, we, we study those metrics um, to the point of, like, we know what days are better to launch things. We know, you know, we know when you're going to get the most amount of traffic. We know when you're going to get the most amount of pass-along um, of the site. And I think all of that stuff is really important and a lot of advertisers, a lot of agencies are scared of that information. They're scared, scared of metrics and statistics. And I, I think of it as something that you really learn from. Um, and uh, it, it can help the project you're working on become better. And it can also help future projects that you work on be better. If you understand how people, how people interact with your brand online. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's... And surely not to make this like a Crispin Porter Bogusky commercial because that's not what I want it to be at all. But I do think that one of the interesting things that I always find surprising is that people often see our shop as sort of, um, you know, creative for creative sake when in fact we, you know, have an extremely extensive research and planning department and use it in all aspects of, mm-hmm. of what we do. We do nothing like creative, you know, creative for creative sake, trying to win awards. I mean, that is a happy byproduct of some of the work that we do, but it's certainly not the, you know, objective ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately, like, not only are our clients interested, but we're, we're interested in that. Yeah. And I think of it as almost like keeping score a little bit of, of knowing how your, how your site is doing and, and being able to, to, to evolve it evolve mm-hmm. the brand, evolve the, the website you're working on to sort of meet how people are interacting with it online. The only way of really knowing that is by looking at that data. What, what do you see? So let's go now from subservient chicken. What do you see as some of the most interesting viral campaigns that are out there right now and not necessarily, you know, just, just ones that are out there? One or yeah, two. You know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of interesting advertising stuff that, that's coming out now, but I think this, still the stuff that's really working, that's really viral, seems to be that the stuff that's completely unrelated to advertising. You know, there's this, there's this guy, Alex, too, I think is his name, and he did this million-dollar homepage where he, he had a homepage made up of a million pixels, and, and he sold each pixel 
for a dollar. Um, and I think he sold them for like in blocks. Um, but he, I, I think he's about to reach his million dollar mark. You're kidding me. This is something that was getting passed around everywhere. And it, it's the power of a great idea, you know? If an idea is great enough, people will want to share it with other people. You know, we always think of the Internet as something like if, if an idea is good, it's something that you're going to want to tell your friend about yeah. around the water cooler or through email. You know, let's, we want to make something that's an excuse for someone to communicate through email um, because people are always looking for excuses. Um, there's a girl over here who I work with who um, I, I remember about a year ago she came out. She was like, Jeff, you know, do you have anything cool I can... I can send to this ex-boyfriend. She wanted to talk to him. She just needed a reason to. And she was looking for some fun website as an excuse to do that. So people are looking for excuses. Okay, that example is a little frightening, but okay. (laughs) People are looking for excuses to communicate with each other. Um, And and, in the Internet, in these links and things, websites that we make are, can, can be those excuses sometimes. And, and that's what this million-dollar homepage, I think, is. It's just, it's just so strange, so provocative that yeah. you want to tell someone about it. Um, so this guy did such a great job of, like, getting it out there, you know, seeding it to different sites, blogs and things. Um, and then, you know, now he's got a 1,000 pixels left. And I, I thought that was smart enough that he, he would get that, you know, 900-whatever-thousand dollars at that point. Now he's auctioning off. The, the last thousand pixels on eBay. You are kidding and, me. And I think it's at like over $160,000. So he's going to make more than a million dollars off of this little project. And he, this, is, this is a guy who you know, is a college kid who is you know, trying to figure out ways of, of making money to pay for tuition. But why would anyone, maybe this is an obvious question, why would anyone spend a dollar to buy a pixel? Well, because, you know, he did such a good job of getting it on these blogs. I mean, that, that, that is a site that's getting a lot of exposure, a lot of, a lot of traffic. And for a lot of advertisers out there, and it, you, know, uh, he, you know, he doesn't have, like, marquee clients right. <laughs> who are buying up these pixels. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of strange ones, you know, people who are just doing personal things. And then also uh, I think there are some casinos and things that are advertising on there that are just, they're just concerned with, you know, getting as much exposure as possible. I mean, for them, it makes sense, I guess, to them because they're, they're getting a lot of exposure. Um, it Maybe more so than if you went to, like, a regular website and, and bought a banner. Mm-hmm. Um, people are, not only are looking at it, but they're talking about this website. And, and you have – it's one page, so you're going to look at everything. Um, so, yeah, you know, and – so you know, I think I think that was really viral and successful. You know, the, the the kid who did the in much the same way as Subservient Chicken, and that like we really didn't know how successful it was going to be when it when it launched. Uh, another another kid, uh, he did that the the Numa Numa dance. Oh right. And you know, here's a viral thing, and it, it this was actually the first time he had ever done anything with his webcam. Uh, he does this little dance, and I guess he shares it with some friends, and then they pass it around, they pass it around, and and it becomes this, this another phenomenon. And all of a sudden, he's in, on Good Morning America. Um, these things are so just extraordinarily successful, and and I think for advertisers, I, I I don't know if I've seen a lot of advertising that's become a phenomenon like that. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is that it's very it's a very difficult thing to go in and say. We're going to be that successful. It, sometimes it just happens. Yeah. Um, you, you you talked about blogs and getting things out there on blogs, and I wanted to talk about how blogs, you know, can best be utilized because I don't know that 
I mean, there, I know a lot about the blogs that I sort of look at because people are talking about advertising, but I don't really... You t- Tell me what your feelings are on blogs and where they fit in. You know, I, I, think, I think blogs are really great um, for a brand, but they can also be bad for a brand. Um, it, it depends on what they're writing about. Right. And, you know, we, we talked about it once, uh, once about, you know, do we, should, we, should we hire someone who's like an expert in blogs um, to, who, can, who can build sort of relationships with the writers and things. And, and it, it's kind of not something that you can do, yeah. you know, because just like podcasts, just like these webcasts and things that we were talking about, like these are just all these individuals out there and they, these are sort of their radio stations. These are their newspapers. Um, and and they, they don't like it when you try and make them write about something. So the best you can do is just share something with them and believe in the, you know, I guess you're not going to want to share it if it's bad, um, but you will want to share it if you believe that the creative is good and you believe in it um, because then they're probably going to write something good about it. And if you get something written about in a blog, especially some of these larger ones. Um, what are some of the ones that you look at? You know, like, I, I think some of the ones that get a lot of traffic in our, in our, uh, are like FARC, Boing Boing. Um, the, you know, there are other ones like, you know, I Am Bored. And these are all these sites that you, you kind of go to when you're on the web and mm-hmm. you, just, you want some entertainment. So you'd go to a blog, which is a little bit like a network you know, that's got all these shows that are just sort of constantly evolving. And the shows are links um, and commentary on those links. Um, so those are some of the larger ones that, you know, you kind of always know you're going to get something good. Um, but it, it is this double-edged sword because if they don't like something or they don't like the way you're doing something, they'll also write about it. Ultimately, a blog is an opinion, you know, and, and everyone have got good one. opinions, and they have bad opinions. Yeah. Um, and you know they'll write about whatever they want. And it's very dangerous for a brand to like not, you know, I we just looking at the blogs and reading about things. You, brands can die um, because of things that are written about um, them on a blog, and and so it's also important for people uh, for for brands and advertisers to be aware of their people. Because unlike, unlike 10 years ago when you really, you know, you, you could do something and, you know, well, no one's going to care. And if they do, no one's going to hear about it. Now that's different because blogs will let people, it gives people a voice. Um, but isn't that, I mean, but that's extremely dangerous because, you know, what if, what if there's really if 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 a blogger can just be one person trying to get the word out in a very nasty way? I mean, is, are you saying that there's just no controlling them, no matter what? You know, I, I I don't know if there's any controlling them. You know, I I think that they they will do what they um they'll do what they want to do. Um, and you know, I think that's fine. I think that's good. You know, that's that's the great thing about the internet that they can have that kind of freedom. Um, but in your communication with them, you just, I guess you just have to be straight up with them. Like when we talk about seeding work and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, we do it very honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just sharing work with someone the same way you would share work with a newspaper or a magazine. Um, and, you, and you have to leave that opinion sort of a, up, up to them. Um, because I actually think it's bad when you pretend to be something you're not or you try and trick your way onto a blog. 
Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of places do it, and these these blog owners they, they'll call you out on it, and then all of a sudden it becomes a very very bad thing. Um, but there there's something that's there, and there there's something that advertisers are going to have to uh, learn how to uh, work with. And then you also see brands who sponsor a blog. You know, mm-hmm. like Sony. I think there was a blog that was part of the Gawker Network um, that uh, when it first came out, Sony sponsored it. And so they were kind of like the, the central sponsor of them, and uh, all of the content was geared towards technology. Um, so that's but is another it as, way I mean, is it, it as real if it's a blog then? Is somebody monitoring it? Or, I mean, is it, does it have the same validity? It doesn't have the same validity. And in that case, I think they were able to get away with it a little bit more because it it grew from a blog that did have a lot of respect, mm-hmm. um, like Gawker and uh, um, Gizmodo. I think those are some of the other ones that are part of that uh, that network. But, it, you know, I, I guess in the end I really don't have the answer how you talk to these people. And, yeah. and I honestly don't think anybody else does either. Right. Um, I think that that's something that we have to figure out. And it may be something that we never figure out. It's just something that, you know, they're there and... When it works out, I think it's really great. When it doesn't, you have to sort of control it a little bit um, and be careful how you communicate and um, and ultimately what they'll write about. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you one more thing, and then I sort of wanted to move on. But so you said that some of the best advertising or some of the best viral think- campaigns that you have seen on the internet recently are not advertising. But what do you? How do you see the internet? best use in terms of branding? Like, how can it be best used? You know, I, I think it's best used when when it's a, a conversation with people, mm-hmm. when people feel like they are participants with the brand, um, because that's what separates the Internet from radio and television. Um, in those mediums, people can't be participants, uh, whereas in the Internet, I you know, I can have a website, and my interaction with it will create my interpretation of the brand. I think that's why subservient chicken worked. You know, if I don't interact with it, it's probably useless. Um, but when I interact with it, I have this deeply personal, really funny connection to the brand. Um, and my and my experience with it is completely different from somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so there are two things you get there. One is um, that participation with the brand and the entertainment that you get from it. Um, and then the second thing is how unique it is to you. Um, it really, the brand becomes a reflection of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for some people, it'll be one thing, and for other people, it'll be something else. Um, but right. I think it, in its best use, uh, when, when the Internet really exceeds, excels, um, it, it's when brands can, can create these sort of participatory experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, I also think that the Internet um, gives us a lot of other ways of using it. You know, something like BMW Films, I think, is great. In that case, it's not about being a participant. It's about distribution. Mm-hmm. I can make a movie and distribute it to a lot of different people um, cheaply in a way that I ne- couldn't get. Um, you know, I-, I could never have done that on television. It would have been so expensive. Um, but on the Internet, it becomes possible because of, the, because of distribution. Um, other things that are great, like community building, like something like MySpace, um, 
or you haven't even you haven't even mentioned my favorite way to use the internet, <laughs> just shopping. Yeah, shop- <laughs> and shopping. I mean, you know, we we had done something with uh, with Borders uh, where we we created a, a website that lets you figure out the perfect gift for your for your loved one, and uh, you would you would um, you know mix different attributes of that person, and then it, it would suggest the perfect Borders gift, like whatever book or DVD or music. Um, so the the internet is pretty powerful there. Where, um, and and I think that talks a little bit to that subservient chicken notion of being a participant, and then also getting a very unique experience and a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, tools and things like that are are pretty are pretty good. You see that a lot with car sites as well. How you know that the car website is sort of the ad on the internet for a car company. Um, I think the really good ones are ones that are effective tools, um, along with being a good ad. Well, I. I... This is great information, and I appreciate it you sharing it with me. And I want to just switch gears a little bit um, and just ask you, you know, you've really been able, I mean, you've been able to create an amazingly interesting and exciting career for yourself, which you explained to us how you did at the at the beginning of, of the, the show where, I mean, you are on the cutting edge of doing all this terrific stuff. You've been asked to be at a judge at all these amazing award shows, which in this industry is is a clear indicator of the respect you have within the industry. Do you, do you have any any advice for anyone who's sort of starting out or not starting out, but sort of is stalled at where they are right now? I think that because uh, I, to a degree, felt stalled, I, and I felt stalled in college, which is probably a better place than if you're stalled, you know, as a lawyer making a hundred thousand dollars, and now you got to start over again. But, you know, my advice is that people have to take risks in their career and they have to sort of have faith with where their passions lie. I knew, like, very early on that, like, okay, I was very passionate about advertising. Um, I, I had debated in college and I was really good at it. Um, and, and that's the part about law that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what it was that I liked about debate was um, being in front of people, being persuasive, being witty, being funny. That's where my passion was and convincing people. Um, those passions had more to do with advertising. Um, so I realized that's what I was passionate about, and I worked hard. And it's not easy. Like, I, you know, I, I really was there at, like, 2 and 4 in the morning, like, almost every night, um, because I had to make up for my, my lack of knowledge. Um, I had to learn very quickly. But ultimately, I think you will find that the people who are the most successful and were and it's not just about advertising, it's any medium, are the people who work harder at it. Mm-hmm. And it may seem that they're, they've magically got some talents um, that, that other people don't have, but you will find more often than not, it's just hard work that separates them from others. Um, it's, it's hard work that gets you to different places quicker. Um, and, and, you know, when, when we look for people who we hire, I mean, that, that's something that we look for. And we look for people who are really passionate, but ultimately who are going to work really, really hard. Um, not that we just want people who are working hard all the time because, you know, it's not a sweatshop. It's that you want people who are so passionate and believe so much in not only their career but the medium that they're working in um, that they're, they're willing to to work that hard. Um, that That's what brought me to this point. You know, mm-hmm. I, I started off with, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper, you know, folded three ways to make table tents. And and now and now I'm here and and it, it it seems so strange to me but you know I went home for uh 
for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And one of the gifts my mom gave me was, and I didn't even know I had done this, but it was this ad I had made for my school when I was in eighth grade. Are you kidding me? For the for this like uh, school fair or something like that. And, uh, you know, I had always thought about, well, this advertising thing is just, it's so unlikely of a career that I've ended up in. Mm-hmm. But then I, I looked back on that and like, she, you know, and just talking to her, she also mentioned like I had like won some t-shirt competition or something in like seventh grade where you like everyone, it, it occurred to me that this has always been something I've been passionate about. It's always been something that's in me. It, it was only in college that I realized uh, what to do with it. Um, so I guess the advice I would give people is to sort of look within you and figure out where your passions are uh, and then and find a career that, that really makes you happy. You know, I think that um, advertising, adver- the advertising field is great. You know, like I, I thought that the most you can make is like $35,000 <laughs> at its peak. <laughs> I automatically discounted that as an option early on in my <laughs> right. college career. Um, but, uh, but and, and you know, even up to the point where I was deciding I'm going to go into this, I, I really didn't think that I, I would be as successful as I am now. Um, and I think there's still a lot for me to learn and do and, um, and that only hard work will take me. But, uh, my advice is to sort of look within you, find out what you're passionate about, and then work as hard as you can to, to, get, to, the, to get to where you want to be. And it doesn't matter if you're 20 years old or 40 years old. It's never too late. People, people put a timeline on, on things, but, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't. And it's easy for me to say, you know, I, I made that decision in college um, when it maybe it, it wasn't. I, I, I want to believe that had I, you know, continued with school and then gone to law school, Mm-hmm. That I would have made the same decision yeah. and like given it up and gone into advertising. You know, I don't know, but my my advice is to do that. And I think if you do, you'll only find happiness and success in your life. That is wonderful. That is wonderful advice. Thank you, and thank you for joining me today. Can will you come back again? Oh yeah. Okay. Awesome. Excellent. Do, excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff Benjamin, my friend. And thank you to everybody for listening. That's all we have time for today, but please join me Tuesdays at 2 o'clock at the intersection of advertising and PR for The Hook. Thank you, and have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.